Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. This chapter that we're looking at today is a very famous chapter, uh, so famous that it has a name. If you say the Hall of Faith, then many Christians will know that you're talking about Hebrews chapter number 11. You know, you've heard of the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is where all of the most successful athletes in their sport, they get recognized, right? Person who scored the most points, won the most championships, did something very special, one of the greatest players of all time. They, they end up being recognized and honored at the Hall of Fame. When you go to these places, you'll see pictures, video clips, things that they used uh, while they were playing and things like that. And so you'll have the Basketball Hall of Fame, the Football Hall of Fame. You'll have different sports Hall of Fames. Here we have the Hall of Faith. Except the Hall of Faith is not a record of those who have accomplished more than others. It is about those that have trusted God in special ways. They put their trust in God, if we want to say it this way, more than others. You know, if you read through Hebrews chapter 11, we're looking at people like Noah building an ark by faith, Abraham leaving his homeland, leaving his uh, father's house behind, and going to a place where he wasn't even sure where he was going. Moses abandoning life in the, in the royal palace to be able to associate with his people. These are people who lived by faith and were blessed by God. And the lesson is that they were blessed by God because faith pleases God. And that ought to be the heart of every believer, to please God. So we're going to take a look this morning at this theme of pleasing God with faith. Let's begin with the importance of pleasing God. I heard somebody say, or I read that somebody wrote, I really cannot give you the formula for success, but I can give you the formula for failure. It is this trying to please everyone right you ever been there you're trying to make everybody happy maybe you're in your family you're trying to make everybody happy trying to you know uh, uh, uh have everybody in your group everybody on your team at the workplace happy and sometimes it seems like a fruitless end because you can never make everybody happy and i think everybody understands that but there's something inherent inside of us that has the desire to please others right? Children desire to please their parents. That's very natural. That's why you have kids. They always want their parents, you know, dad, look, mom, look, see what I'm doing. They're looking for that approval. They're looking to see that their parents notice them and that they see them and they recognize them and they approve of them and what they are doing. That's very natural. And so it's a, it can be a very natural desire for people to try to please everybody. But I think we all know that you know, that's no way to live life, that we can never really succeed in that way. But I think there's another truth, which is the formula for failure is also trying to please the wrong people. Because we can go through life trying to please the wrong people, even people who are ourselves, right? The world says, whatever makes you happy, right? You ever hear that? Maybe you've even said it, whatever makes you happy. But you know what? Sometimes we do things that we think will make us happy, and it doesn't make us happy. We don't even know what makes us happy sometimes. We think we're going to do this thing, and we're really going to have a great time, and we go there, and we're like, you know what? I'm still not that happy. I'm still not that satisfied. It is important that we please the Lord, because you and I, 
if you're here in the church service this morning, we actually know the formula for success. The formula for success is not seeking the approval of your boss, of your friends, of even family members, needless to say, of social media or even yourself. Success is getting the approval of God. That is success. Doesn't matter how other people may view you, doesn't matter what the world defines as success. Success is gaining the approval of God. That's what Paul understood when he said in 2 Corinthians, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. That's the same word for here, pleasing God with faith. Paul desired with all of his being to please the Lord because he knew that that is the only thing that mattered. The most important thing was to gain the approval of God. Because in Revelation 4, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Did you know that you were created to bring pleasure to God? That's why you were created. So if we were made to please God, then success only comes when we accomplish our purpose, which is to please God. That is success. It doesn't matter how much money you have or do not have. It doesn't matter how popular you are. It doesn't matter how, quote unquote, successful you might be in the workplace. If I was made to please God, then I will only find success and real satisfaction in life when I have pleased him. If you want to know what life is all about, it's about gaining the approval of God. That's what the men and women of the Bible understood. When you open up the Bible and you see records and you see stories and you wonder, why did God include this? Why did God talk about David? Why did God include the stories of Moses or Abraham? It's about their desire to gain the approval of God by putting their trust in him. And the Bible records that not only did they desire to gain the approval of God, they got the approval of God. That's what this chapter is all about. Here are men and women of God who had their faith in God, and they were able to gain the approval of God. Verse number two, you're there in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number two says, For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. That's the same word that we're taking a look at in verse number six of without faith it is impossible to please him. They pleased the Lord because they put their faith in him. In verse number four, we see the record of Abel by faith. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness. That's the same word for pleasure or approval or good report. He obtained witness that he was righteous God testifying of his gifts. This was God's testimony. God says, I am pleased with what Abel did, and by it uh, he being dead yet speaketh. So here is the message of Hebrews chapter number 11. Here are men and women who gained the approval of God because they trusted in him. There is nothing more important, meaningful, or satisfying than gaining the approval of God and pleasing him. There's a song that I heard many years ago. 
And uh, I think the title is, I Just Want to Please the Lord. The verse goes, there are tro trophies to be won, success is there to claim. Some would give their very soul to reach earth's highest plane. But to count it gain would be my loss if I lay down commitment's cross. So I lift my eyes to things above and serve him with a heart of love because I just want to please the Lord, to be in his will in every way, to be lost in his presence, found in his likeness, to hear him say, well done, someday. I think that's a great message, a, a desire for our heart to seek the Lord and to uh, obtain his approval. Which leads us then to the next question, which is, how do we gain approval from God? How are we able to please the Lord? Well, we see the ingredient for pleasing the Lord, that ingredient being faith. Verse number six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. We see this demand for faith. It is not optional. It's not an accessory. It's not something that maybe we'll get around to. It is mandatory. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. No matter how much you might desire to gain the approval of God, you can only get it by putting your faith in him. It's like trying to drive a car without an engine. Oh, it might look great on the outside. It might be very comfortable on the inside. But without an engine, you're not getting anywhere. And sometimes in the Christian life, we can look good on the outside. And we might feel good on the inside. But we have not gained the approval of God. We have not pleased God until we have put our faith in him. Now, what is exactly faith, right? Faith is one of those words where everybody uses the word faith, right? Oh, people of faith, you know, I have faith, you know, and things like that. Okay, what is it though? <laughs> what is faith? When I say, and when you say that we should have faith, that we should trust God, what does that mean exactly? Well, we see a few uh, words here that'll help us in verse number one. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right, what does that mean? Well, it means there's something out there that I cannot prove, I haven't even seen it, but I believe that it is there. I believe that there is something coming. I believe that there is something either in the future or out there that is what is faith. Verse number six gives us a little more clarity, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Well, first of all, if you are going to have faith in God, if you're going to trust God, of course you need to believe that God exists, right? That's a basic, right? If you're here at church, I trust that you do believe that God exists. If you don't believe that God exists, maybe you're not sure that God exists. Let me tell you that that's step number one. Step number one is, does God exist? And the Bible affirms, yes, he does. And God's people affirm, yes, he does. Okay? So we believe that God exists. But beyond that, we must believe that he is. That he is also who he says he is. Not just that there is a God but that the God that we believe in is the God of the Bible and how he has revealed for himself to be. That he is love, that he is holy, that he is omnipotent, that he is ever-present. All of these things. And uh, uh, verse number six then tells us something that I think makes faith very practical. 
At the end of verse number six, it says, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Enoch believed, he's really talking about Enoch, who's in verse number five, believed that God rewards. It's in many ways as simple as this. Faith is believing that God will do what he says he will do. That's it. Faith is just saying, God, you said it, so I believe that you'll do it. Faith, that is, God, this is what your word reveals, so I'm just going to obey it. That's what faith is. And chapter 11 is all about people who trusted God that what God said he would do is what he would do. Right? One of the most famous examples of faith is Noah in verse number 7. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. All right, so many of you will know the story of Noah, but here's a few verses here just to describe the situation. There was wickedness in the earth, so much so that God was going to destroy the earth and all of the inhabitants in it, but Noah received the grace of God. And he said, God said, all right, I, I want to save you. So in verse number 14 of Genesis 6, it says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And he gives some further instruction. And so God says, all right, build a boat. Here's how big you need to make it. This is the materials you need to use. And this is the general design of it. Build a huge boat. Now, this is not just a little boat. This is a boat that took Noah and his three sons like a hundred years to build, right? A long time, a huge boat that they had to build. Now, why did he have to build the boat? In verse number 17, it says, And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. So God says, you need to build a boat because there is a worldwide flood that is coming. Verse 22 gives us the affirmation of his faith. Thus did Noah. According to all that God commanded him, so did he. So God says, there's going to be a flood on the earth. Now, you have to know at this time, it's never rained. And it's never flooded because it's never rained. So in the history of humanity, up until Noah, there is no such thing as a flood. And Noah is telling people, we know from the Bible, that Noah was preaching, judgment is coming. And I'm sure everybody was like, Noah, what are you talking about? A flood? It's never flooded before. It's never even happened. And you know what Noah said? He said, I don't care. God said it was coming and I believe that it is coming. And that moved him to obey the Lord. God, you said a flood is coming and that we can be saved by this ark that will be built, so I'm going to obey you. And I'm going to follow your commands. Even though it's never happened before, nobody else believes that it's coming. Nobody else believes that it's possible, but God, you said it's coming. God, you said this, and so I'm gonna believe you. I'm gonna trust you. 
and I'm going to live my life based on what you have told me, which is judgment is coming. And so I'm going to put aside everything else in my life. All of the other ambitions that Noah had in his life didn't matter. You know why? Because he believed a flood is coming. The most important thing, get the ark done so that we can be saved. Abraham also. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So here is the faith of Abraham that is described here, which is, if you remember in the book of Genesis, one day Abraham had a child with Sarah. He was 100, she was 90, and Isaac was born. This is the child of promise. This is the one that they were told about and that they were waiting for. As he grew older, God tested Abraham and he said, I want you to offer up your only son, Isaac. And if you know your Bible, you know that Abraham was fully intending on following through with the offering, the sacrifice of his son. We know that. God knew that. Now, here is the dilemma in Abraham's mind. In Abraham's mind, he remembers what God said. What God said was, through Isaac would be an entire nation that would appear. Right? We know that as the nation of Israel. But through Isaac would the promise come. Okay? So Abraham knows, okay, God said, I would have a son. This son is Isaac. Isaac would be the descendant through whom a nation will be built, through whom the Messiah would come. All the families of the earth will be blessed through Isaac. Then at a later time, God is telling Isaac, uh, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. Okay? If I sacrifice Isaac, he can't have any children. <laughs> He's not married yet. He doesn't have any children. So there is no nation if Isaac is sacrificed. So here is the faith of Abraham. The faith of Abraham was, okay, God said through Isaac, a, a nation will be born. That has to be true. Also, God told me to offer up Isaac. That must also be true. And he doesn't know, just like we would, all right, how is that even possible? He came to the conclusion the only way for both of those things to be true is that Isaac will have a nation come out of him after I sacrifice him and God will raise him back from the dead. Do you understand the faith of Abraham? The faith of Abraham was these two things are not possible together, so God must do something impossible to make it work. He must raise Isaac from the dead. That's the only thing that makes sense. And God said I had to do both of these things. One of them has already come to pass. The other one, I'm deciding whether I should do it. And he came to the conclusion, the only way this will work is if God does something impossible that's never happened before, that nobody believes is possible, he must raise him from the dead. That's what Abraham did. He believed that God would raise him from the dead. That's what faith is. Faith is, God said a nation would come out of him, and God also said I need to sacrifice him. I must obey, and I trust that God will do what he said. 
The only way that makes sense is that God raises him from the dead. That's what faith is. Faith is believing that God will do what he says he will do, which then manifests itself in a number of different ways. Faith is, first of all, committed to God's work. In verse number six, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The, the desire to please God comes with seeking him. You ever lose something very important to you? So important that you can't live your life without it? Right? You ever lose your phone? Right. We can't live our lives without our phones anymore, right? You lose your phone, you don't know what to do with yourself, right? You know, you're just telling, you know, your wife or husband or somebody, you know, oh, you know, can you tell somebody, you know? We don't know what to do with ourselves. If we lose our phone, you know what the only thing that's on our mind is? We have to find our phone. That's the only thing we're thinking about, right? You ever lose your keys, right? You only discover that you lost your keys when you're out the door looking for your keys, right? That's when you discover you lost your keys. And whenever you lose your keys, guess what? Everything else stops, right? You're not thinking about anything else. The only thing you're thinking about is, I need to find my keys. I've lost my keys before. I've lost my phone before. I've lost my wallet before. My wife has tried to help me with those things. And sometimes it works. And sometimes I still lose my keys or my wallet or things like that, you know? And, and that's the thing about faith is faith seeks God until he finds it. Faith is conducted by God's word. The word there is to diligently seek him. Faith requires action. Faith requires that I do something. Because if I really believe something, it'll move me to do something about it. Noah believed the flood was coming. He was moved to prepare the ark. Jeff Bezos started Amazon because he learned that the internet grew in usage 2,300% in 1993. And as a businessman, he thought, I got to get on that train, right? What else in the world is growing at 2,300% a year? And so even though he was a senior vice president at D.E. Shaw, had a wonderfully comfortable job, and maybe would have been the next CEO or something like that, would have done very well, he believed so much in what the internet was doing, he quit his job, moved to Seattle, and started this company, Amazon. Why? Because his belief moved him to action. His belief moved him to retire from his position, moved him to start up this business called Amazon, moved him to move across the country to the city of Seattle because his faith moved him to action. It's been said that faith is not works, but faith works. Faith moves you into action. A lot of the very simple things in the Christian life are basically just examples of faith moving believers to action on Sunday morning for church services. And the reason is because in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, not forsaken. Well, let's go back to verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Let us hold the faith that we have, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So what does God say? What God says is, hey, if you really trust me, 
gather yourselves together in the word of God, encouraging and exhorting one another. So what is church attendance, right? Why is church attendance so important? It is important in the revelation or the moving of your faith. I believe God, so I will obey God and his word. And what does God's word say? One of them is, let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, right? Another thing is financial, right? In 1 Corinthians 16, now concerning the collection for the saints. In the Old Testament, the New Testament, different passages, talks about giving, talks about the tithe, right? Why do I give? Because of faith. I trust God, I believe God, that I must honor God, and so I give to God. Even though I know my financial checkbook doesn't quite, you know, line up everything, but I know that if I trust God, He will provide. He will take care of me, and so I will obey. Which then brings us to faith continues in God's word. Because Hebrews chapter 11 is not just about single moments of faith, but continued, persistent, dedicated obedience to God's word. Hebrews chapter 11 is about people who said, I will not stop obeying God's word no matter what. I will not stop obeying God's word, even if I don't see the results. I will not stop obeying God's word, even if I'm doing God's word and life is more difficult for me now. I will not stop obeying God's word, even if financially I have suffered for it. And I don't see any reward coming from these things. The context of Hebrews chapter 11 includes more than just one day I trusted God, but every day I am trusting God. If you go back to chapter number 10, the end of chapter number 10 in verse number 35, it says this. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Don't throw away your faith. Keep on trusting God, which hath great recompense of reward. Your faith in God will reward. For ye have need of patience. This author is writing to these believers saying, you need to continue to endure. For ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. Now that phrase is something that you might be familiar with. The just shall live by faith by faith. When you consider the context of the verse and the chapters that follow, the idea of the just living by faith is that every day they lived trusting God. It was not, I trusted God yesterday, I trusted God last year, I trusted God 10 years ago, but I am diligently seeking God. So the question we have to ask today regarding faith is, do you believe that God does what he says he will do? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God will bless you if you obey him? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God will bless you if you obey him, even if he doesn't bless you at all this year? You're just faithfully obeying God, doing what God says, and nothing is coming your way. Will you still trust him? What if you 
say, you know what, I'm going to obey God. What if God doesn't bless you with the, the thing that God wants to bless you with for 10 years? 10 years, day after day, year after year, 3,650 days of obedience and no blessing. Will you still continue to trust God? Will you still continue to say, God, you said it'll happen, and I believe that it's going to happen. Do you believe that God will bless you even if you live your entire life and you die without seeing the blessing you were hoping for? That's faith. That's faith. Because in Hebrews 11, verse number 13, there's an interesting phrase here. These all died in faith. They lived in faith and they died in faith, not having received the promises. They believed something was coming and they never saw it while they were alive. But having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You know what the Bible is saying about these Old Testament saints? They believed what God said, that God would send a deliverer, that God would send a Messiah, and they died in that faith. God, you're going to send a deliverer, and they died without ever seeing the deliverer. But they never gave up on that faith. They never gave up on that belief. They never gave up on what God had said. They died still hoping for the promise that God had given to them. Hebrews chapter 12, the next chapter over, verse number 1, tells us this. Wherefore, okay, because, previous chapter, chapter 11, wherefore, Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Don't stop trusting in God. Keep on trusting God. Keep on believing God. Keep on obeying God. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. See, if we will please the Lord, then we have to be faithful in trusting God, not just trusting God today, but continually trusting God. Let's not have it be that this year is a year where we change where we stopped trusting God, when we gave up on God, when we said, you know what, God said all of these things and I'm just not seeing it, you know what, forget it. I'm not going to trust God anymore. I'm not going to live this way anymore. You know what, I'm going to go after the things of the world. I'm going to go after a career. I'm going to go after some relationship. I'm going to go after the successes that might be out there in the world because I've been living faithfully for God year after year, day after day, decade after decade, and I, I really don't see the blessings of God. God is saying, don't stop trusting. There is a reward that is coming. It may not have come this year. It may not have come last year. It may not have come in the last 10 years, but there is a reward that is coming. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse number five, it says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. 
for, uh, for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So Hebrews chapter 11, talking about without faith is impossible to please him, diligently seeking him, the idea here comes from, in many ways, Enoch. Enoch trusted God, walked with God, he pleased God, and God blessed him. But I want you to see the life of Enoch. We don't know a lot about the life of Enoch, but in Genesis chapter 5, we have a few verses that are there, right? Chapter number 5 is, uh, has been called, and he died chapter, because Adam and he died. Seth lived, and he died. All these men lived, and they died. For Enoch, Enoch didn't die. God tells us why in verse number 22. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah, after he had his son, Methuselah, 300 years. So Enoch was 65 years old, when he had Methuselah, and he walked with God for 300 years after that, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. If you look in the book of Jude, we're not going to take a look at the verses there, but the book of Jude tells us the message of Enoch. The message of Enoch was, we are sinners, and God will judge sin. That's the message that he preached. That's the message that he believed. He believed we are sinners. God is going to judge us. God, you have to save us. And he believed that God would send a deliverer to save them. And he walked in that faith, the Bible says, for three hundred years. For three hundred years, he believed every day, I'm a sinner, and God judges sin, and I need a deliverer. God, I know you're sending a deliverer, and I'm looking for that deliverer. And every day, he didn't see him. For three hundred years, he trusted God. That's the kind of enduring, consistent, persistent faith that pleases God. Faith that doesn't give up after a year. Faith that doesn't give up after 10 years. Faith that doesn't give up after 25 years. Faith that doesn't give up after 50 years. Faith that doesn't give up until the day that you die and you stand before the Lord and your faith is now made sight. That's the kind of faith that pleases God, which brings us to the increase from pleasing God. One of the key words of this entire book of Hebrews is the word better. You can have the better things of God. I don't know about you. I don't want the lesser things. I want the better things. I trust that you do too, because we don't have to settle for the lesser things of this life the lesser things of this world, you can have the better things of God, and God wants to give them to you, but you must trust him for it. So much of the Bible is about how God has the better things and wants to give them to us, but he wants to see if we will trust him for it. Noah was blessed by God because he trusted him for a hundred years building this ark. Abraham 
trusted God. David trusted God. Pleasing God is how we get the better things of God, and we please God by faithful, consistent trusting in him. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 5, we read this verse, verse earlier. It says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. See, God did something for Enoch that he had never done before. And he did something for Enoch that was impossible. It's impossible not to die, right? Right? If it were possible not to die, wouldn't we all go for that, right? But we all know death is coming. No matter what you do, no matter how you live, death is coming. And I'm sure everybody else believed death is coming. I'm sure Enoch thought death is coming until God stepped in and said, but not for you. I'm going to take you and you won't have to die. And the Bible is full of things that God did for those that pleased him, things that people thought were impossible, things that people thought, that's, that's in the past, I can't go back there. It is possible. Enoch was taken directly to the presence of God. Abraham had a child when he was 100 years old, and his wife Sarah was 90. Peter, walking on the water. See, God uses his power for those that please him. And God does the impossible for those that please him. Those that please him are those that trust him. Do you want God to do something for you that he's never done for you before? Do you want God to do something greater for you than he's ever done for you before? Something that you've only heard about. Something that you've, you've maybe read that did it for somebody else, but you've not seen it in your own life. God wants to do these kinds of things for you. He can do those things for you, but he wants to see if we will trust him. And not just trust him for a minute, not just trust him for a moment, not just trust him for a day or a month or a year. God's waiting to see if we will really trust him. It's worth it to trust God. There's nothing more important, meaningful, satisfying, or rewarding than pleasing God. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith.